Hey guys, Henning and Morten from Flip Normals here. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how you can improve your portfolio so that you have a better chance of getting a job in whatever field you want to. Your portfolio is probably the most important thing when it comes to getting the job. Like take away personality, take away geography, take away all those things. I would say the most important thing is your portfolio. Mm. If it's not good enough, you are not getting an interview or getting the job. So we just can quickly be talking about some of our top tips for actually improving your portfolio. The first one is that you should build a portfolio around what you want your job to be. Which means if you want to be a modeler, you should spend all your time modeling. And you should only have modeling in your portfolio. At least the portfolio you're sending to the recruiters should contain modeling and show that you're very proficient at that. When it comes to uh, universities, a lot of times they will just try to make you into a generalist and they can do all sorts of stuff that when you're you're really supposed to be specializing, you're maybe doing animation, you're doing rigging, lighting, compositing, and all these things are really good to have an understanding of. Knowing the Python is, is amazing, but when you're actually shipping something off to to the position where you want to what you want to, you want to have, you really should be tailoring your portfolio to that. This can, this can just enhance your chance of being hired dramatically. I was just speaking to somebody now uh, a few hours ago who said that this was pr- possibly the biggest thing which had changed for him in the last few few months where he went from being fairly average to now having interviews at game studios. And the change here was he wanted to do characters for games. And then mm. he stopped doing all sorts of random stuff which didn't impact it. If you just keep focusing on doing on doing what you want to do, you can have a far, far better chance. I think one of the easiest ones there there was, uh, like, I don't know the names, so I can't even name names, but I had a conversation with a student once, and um, uh, we were talking about, it's like a crowd, we were talking about things, in my opinion, that were completely useless at universities. And one of those things was, it was, it was actually unrelated from portfolio pieces. It was the amount of uh, curricular work, like writing work, like yeah, essays, essays and that kind of stuff that you needed to do in universities. Uh, because obviously it's a, it's a degree. And he was like, no, no, I completely disagree. And stuff. It's fine that you disagree, but it doesn't really matter what you think. It is completely irrelevant, you know. So whether it's you want to be a modeler and you're focusing on animation or, you know, you want to be a modeler and you're focusing your effort on essays, it's one of those things where you want to try and prioritize as much as possible. Yeah, I've seen this before where I've been talking to students, particularly students in this case, where I've been asking, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a, I want to be a texture artist. Then why do you, why are you, why are you rigging now? Mm-hmm. Why are you animating now? It's, it's, it's such a waste of your time and effort. And time is, it's way more valuable than people assume it is. I think it's also, it's one of the hard things, especially when you're in university. Because, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, you should definitely go through a few of these curriculums where you do a little bit of animation, you figure out, okay, is it for me? Yes or no. You do, you do some rigging. Okay, so you figure out what part of the pipeline is it and how does it tie into what you want to do, let's say specifically for modeling. But trying to split your efforts in a portfolio where you do, even if you want to be a generalist, I would still advocate for trying to be a generalist, but within like an area. So like if you want to be a generalist, then maybe you you aim for modeling, uh, texturing and shading, you know, within that you're a generalist, like going from modeling, programming, animation, rigging. I don't think that makes a very good special like generalist because that's very specialized um, 
sort of like scopes within one. And the generalists who are fantastic Aldous areas, mm-hmm. and there are some, they're more more like 10-year seniors who just spend time developing those skills. Yeah. Like if you try to learn Houdini and then Katana and then uh, modeling all sorts of stuff in Seabers and Mari and Substance, you are just not going to be able to do it. No. Uh, yeah, and the problem is you're just not going to be as good as the person who just did one thing. That you're going to be have a hard time competing against that. Now, that being said, there's definitely a, a, a spot out there for a lot of generalists, especially when you move into the smaller companies. You know, the more of these skills that you have, the better. But again, I would restrict it into what that's like, what's close in the pipeline. Yeah, I've seen this a fair few times where instead of being good at all these things, they just become bad at all these things. It's like you had 100 skill points and you put one into 100 things. You really don't want that. You want to be at a certain level in all the areas you are presenting to the studio. Mm. Like I really can't stress how important it is to to make a more specialized portfolio for your application. And it also makes it so much easier for the recruitment studio, which is which is looking at your stuff and being like, clearly this person can do this. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking at uh, Andrew's portfolio here, he's a friend of mine who we worked together at NPCs many years ago. If you were to look at his portfolio, you're, there isn't any doubt what he can do. <laughs> like no. he, he he's amazing in spaceships and hard surface and designs in hard surface, whatever it might be, robotics, if you if you look at this stuff, you know where to place him. And if you want a Santa Christmas Chronicles, it's also good for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's also really good for that. <laughs> so be focused in your efforts. So if we if we're just looking at it, it just it's just well presented and it just looks really, really nice. Yeah, and I think that really takes us on to point number two here, which is take it seriously. When you present something you should present it as, you know, this is the best I can do. Like there, there's, I've seen it a fair few times with portfolios being presented where they're like, should I do my best stuff first or best stuff at the end? Like what, what do I get the attention with? Well, only put your best stuff in there. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I only have one best piece. Then you need to spend some more time making more best pieces. Yeah. You know, what in your portfolio should be 100% representable? Representable? Yeah. I think that's yeah, the word. That's a good word. <laughs> yeah. Of of your skill level, of what you can do. So having a piece in there that you completed a month ago and one that you completed four years ago just to make up for the quantity, I don't think is a good idea. Yeah, assume that the head of modeling or the head of department at the studio you are applying for will review your work with a lot of supervisors. Yeah. And if you're being like if you if you if your opinion now is, oh yeah, but it's really old, therefore the excuses is that is gonna put you in a really uncomfortable situation if you get to interview or if you don't get to interview, that's probably why. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's actually an interesting one. Why do you have this in there? Um, it's really old. Yeah, why do you have it in there? <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. Oh, so okay. I think it's so important that you present your work yes. well. I mean, now all your piece is done and it's the best piece ever. If you, if like if Andrew here were to just show screen grabs from Maya and that's it, this would be, I mean, it would still be an awesome piece because it's a phenomenal model, but but by really doing the nice renders of it, it just looks way better. Yeah. And you don't even have to be fancy here. You could just learn some basic lighting or you could take it into Keyshot or uh, you can use uh, one of our products, which is the Flip Films Lighting Scenes. This is this is something we developed for this exact purpose. Mm. You just drag and drop your uh, your model into this, into this kit and you hit render and you have something really nice. Yeah, so it's one of those areas where... Uh, I think this is the first, we saw this before, I think it was Mike Nash, probably, mm. who had a lighting scene as well. 
Um, and then we did ours many, many years ago. And I think the nice thing about something specifically like a lighting scene is that if, let's say you're a texture artist, you're just texturing someone else's model. Maybe you don't want, again, to spend the time learning to do nice lighting. So finding these kinds of things that can speed it up for you, I think is definitely worth it. So regardless of using ours or not, I mean, the point is just make it, make the presentation as good as you can. Mm. Be, it, be it for a showreel or if you're using ArtStation, honestly, whatever it is, spend proper time on it i really recommend that you learn some at least the basics of lighting like you don't have to learn how to do proper photograph photographic exposure in integrating something into a shot but just make something which looks nice do some basic shaders on it and just present it in a nice and proper way yeah i mean throw it into blender and like use eevee or something yeah super quick real time you know so it's it's yeah, it, it, for some areas, I think it's worth spending a little bit of time, not specializing in it, but just getting up to a certain level so you can present it well. Yeah, it's the same thing with Photoshop, you know, being able to use Photoshop to an extent where you can edit and manipulate your pictures just so it looks a little bit better. Yeah, you for every single render you're doing, you should take them into Photoshop and at a bare minimum do do brightness contrast. Yeah, for every single piece, it's going to look a hundred percent better. We we're definitely doing a tutorial on this. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do a few just showing how you can improve it. Like I've all of my it's hard to say all of my newer pieces because I've only done two <laughs> in the last four years. But uh, basically everything I do and I've done for many many years. It's like you render something out of 3D or, or like you do a concept piece, you paint something and then you just throw a little bit of color balance on there and levels or brightness. And all of a sudden you're like, you start to question everything you just did. You're like, wait, this looks way nicer than it did before. I spent three weeks on our in 3D and then it looks 20% better <laughs> by one grade note. Yeah, exactly. It's infuriating. Yeah. In incredibly important. So here we have an actual example. This is from our uh, one of the most recent uh, streetwear uh, outfit in uh, in Marvelous Designer, and um, this here is a good example of f straight from three D render versus some post work. What you're seeing now is with some post work in Photoshop on top, and then we take it off, and you're going to see what it looks like from render. Yeah, so it's interesting looking at the render before, like when you compare it. Look how much greener it is. There's a lot of green in there. It's kind of dull, but I think one of the main like the, the main things that has changed here is the face. It's just the makeup that's been applied to the face. So it's like, it's still within the realm of, okay, it still looks like the render, but it's just been touched up a little bit. And, and this is the kind of stuff I think can take your pieces to the next level. And even if you don't do this much where you're actually painting in just some, like a, you have some adjustment layers here, like the color lookup, some levels, brightness, contrast, just really, really simple things can just make it such a big difference. Yeah, I mean, if you take, let's say, you just let's say this was the final piece, and you just took off these three, two color balance and the levels, right? Already makes it pop a lot more. It's just a little tweak where we add in some blues, add in some reds, um, the color lookup, 3D strip just adds a lot of saturation to your pieces, and then just just crank it a little bit in, you know, crunch the whites and the blacks just a tiny bit just add a little more range to it. The That's reason it. you want to do this is because there are so the, the competition around you is so huge. So if you can make all your pieces, every single thing which is rendered, just 10% better, you are just in for, you, like then, then your portfolio looks 10% better. Yeah. 
sure, there might be a, a good modeler is gonna, you know, it's hopefully not gonna be be fooled by this, you know, if if uh, <laughs> if, uh, if uh, the head of an apartment is looking at this and be like, mm, the grade is a bit nicer, but it's just it's just it's just a bit smoother. Everything is just a bit smoother, where it's it's just it's just easier to get it. You if your stuff just looks a little bit better than all your competitors. You just have a tiny bit chance better. It might be that one thing that really like catches their eye or something. Yeah. They're like, oh, okay, that's, this looks nice. They don't really know why, but maybe you put in a little more contrast in your thumbnail. And it might not even be that it's that the piece itself looks so much better, but it just shows that you, you treat your work with methodical care, yeah. that your work is well presented and it just looks proper. You, it, it just shows that you're a proper production artist and you can be used in a production. Because one thing you do a lot is, for instance, with like specific these kind of screen grabs, is you will you will present your work a lot to supervisors like this, like this. <laughs> Especially if you're a modeler, zebra screen grabs all the all day. Yeah, you're not going to take this out and render it because it takes too much time. Yeah. So if if they already know that you can present your work, that's just you know it's just like one percent more for for your application, your favor. Whereas if you just if the only thing you had from this was a Maya screenshot, they'd be like, eh, I mean maybe it's nice, but this just you know objectively looks nicer yeah it's just a lot easier also for people to within the studio to share your work as well if you if you let's say you make your entire uh, portfolio as one art station project like let's say this page here is your entire portfolio they can now just scroll up and down and um, very easily see all your work but if this is scattered over like five different websites maybe there is some stuff which is password protected and it's just very hard to evaluate your work that that just counts against you yeah so important that this is done right. And then tip number three here is get good and honest feedback from professionals. It's important that these people are professionals and not your fellow students because you want somebody who is better than you. If you already, if you get feedback from somebody who's at the same level, mm. that, that might be helpful, of course. It might push them to another level, but you really want honest feedback from somebody who has been doing this for a few years. And like we've talked about before, and I know some people, some people do get offended by this, but... I, I don't know what else to tell you. Don't get feedback from your mom yeah. or your dad. Like it doesn't, yeah, maybe they're good at what they do. And, and, but reality is unless, even if they're like a modeler at ILM or whatever, most of the time it's a family member or if it's a friend, they're most likely not going to give you a hundred percent honest feedback because there's always like this, this emotional element in it. Like if you can get feedback from professionals that, don't really know you have nothing to do with you but it is in their interest to see you improve i personally believe they will give you the best feedback you can get i really think so too this also ties into point one as well that maybe the feedback isn't necessarily oh move the clavicle a bit up and move that down but it could also be this point this piece here is completely irrelevant for what you're doing you so the piece you're doing right now might just be completely irrelevant for your portfolio. So let's say you, uh, we keep using the example a lot, uh, you want to be a character modeler and you're not working on a car. You're like, all right, cool. Uh, is it a character? No, it's a car. Don't do it then. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are just things which they can just push you in a direction. This is what I do a lot when I'm giving feedback. I don't really have a whole lot of time to give very specific feedback where you're doing paint overs and move with an ace label full two millimeters, but it's more, this is the direction you should go and you should mm -hmm. read this book, watch this tutorial, observe these kind of things. Yeah. That can that kind of feedback can be the most valuable there is because I'm most likely able to do a lot of the very specific changes myself mm. if I understand 
what you mean. Yeah, and, and you know, because there's there's definitely both both good and bad feedback. Let me take me as a perfect example. Me being 18 years old and a complete douchebag. Oh no. <laughs> um, I think it was around 18, and I just did Scott Eden's anatomy course, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, so cringe but uh you know after having completed scott eden's anatomy course you think you're an actual god like a literal anatomy god and you feel like a god and then you're like you, you scroll through other people's stuff and this is on a forum that i'm not going to name but it's definitely out there so if you can find it good luck um and you're like i'm gonna feed like the shit out of this <laughs> because now you know but what you don't really know is that you don't know how to give feedback <laughs> so what you start doing you don't have that overview of how to give feedback so exactly like Henning says, then you start going into details like oh, your nasal labial folds should be moved two millimeters to the right instead of like as an overall thing, uh, maybe look at the pecs and the ratio between the abs and stuff. Like other than that, it looks cool. But, you know, uh, that can also happen. It might, yeah, just theoretically. <laughs> All right, yeah. Just purely theoretically. But it might also be that this feedback here isn't helpful. Yeah. The feedback you should be getting is stuff which is genuinely helpful. And uh, th- this is really hard. And we're definitely going to make a separate video on giving giving and receiving feedback. But if you just get a list which is uh, fix all these kind of things, maybe the piece is still rubbish afterwards because yeah. maybe the gesture is wrong or it's an extremely poor taste and all that. So you really want to listen to all the feedback you're getting. You want to you want to have a specific goal and you want to listen to people and listen to feedback which helps you reach that very specific goal. Yeah, like if because you can very easily, even from professionals and stuff that maybe they haven't given a lot of feedback, maybe the feedback that they end up giving you is also wrong. They end up giving you a list of, you know, move the little toe on his right foot up a little bit instead of looking at it as an overall piece and how it can help you generally improve like you're not going to learn a lot from someone saying the little toe is a little off you know that's not like that's just a very specific thing okay move it there okay i guess you'll remember whereas if it's more like uh play around with the color grading maybe look at this book when it comes to light and color uh, and try to implement that in your workflow okay that's a bunch more information that you can implement I've also given feedback to people as well. Like, so I, I used to be a modeler and not a lighter. So, but sometimes I give lighting feedback to people because my feedback is a lot better than nothing. But then this uh, this student has now got lighting feedback from a real lighter and they're asking me, like, should I listen to you or them? And I'm like, 100% listen to them. <laughs> like, what I said is probably not wrong, but what they said is a lot more correct. Yeah. So find people who you can trust also within the field as well. If you were to look at the lighters, uh, if you want to show a piece of lighting to 100 different lighters, you're going to get 100 different responses. Mm-hmm. And if you were to listen to all of them, you would just dilute it to the point where either it would be completely black or completely white, where you lose all the sense of of interest in the piece. Yeah. So really make sure that you get good and honest feedback from professionals. And on to point number four, which is this might seem obvious, but we've just encountered this so many times that we have to talk about it. It's like displaying your contact information proud and loudly or whatever. It's like um, so many times actually when we've gone to art station contacting people or tried to contact people before they implemented the whole messages system, it's like a lot of artists don't have their emails on there. I don't know if it's for privacy or for whatever, but if you want to get hired for anything, even for people sending out their showreels, no emails in the showreel, no email in the description, you're not going to get contacted. Because no. then some the person who's going to contact you has to do so much digging in order to find your, your details that it's worth for them to just skip you and go on to the next person. 
yeah, I've done this before where I didn't contact somebody because it would have taken 10 minutes more to contact them. And it's not that, oh, you're lazy. No, it's because you maybe have 200 people to contact. Yeah. You just don't have that time. And also, like you mentioned here, like, yeah, I can contact somebody in art station, but the recruiters, they don't necessarily have art station. No. Because they're not really in the art field. Yeah. And uh, they have so many applicants that unless you're an absolute superstar, they're not really going to take the extra step to contact you. So, But it's super simple. Display your full name you know if you have seven middle names even necessarily but display your real name and uh, an email yeah keep it very simple and also keep that professional as well don't go like monster hunter 42x like you know just <laughs> unless you know you worked on monster hunter yeah or something I don't <laughs> exactly know. like don't don't use forbidden hope <laughs> <laughs> and the last point here is uh cheat so this kind of ties into, is, sounds weird just saying it, but cheat. It's cheat kinda, as much as you can. Yeah, this kind of ties into what we showed you before in Photoshop. Um, so we'll just bring up this example again. So if we just zoom in on her face a little bit here, uh, this is now her face. This was her face. So just from straight out of the render, this is what it looked like. And um, then with the lighting and stuff, uh, it could just be improved. So you just go over and do a paint over. Now, for our purposes, this works fine. This is not a production piece. This isn't going to go into shot. This is the finished shot. It's kind of like an illustration. So here it just made more sense to like just tweak it in post. Um, and this is the case a lot of the time. I've seen this so often where you have people who they don't really want to do post work on, on top of the work, even though there is a whole field called compositing, yeah. which is that's what they're doing because, oh, that's cheating. No, you're in a computer. You are cheating. Just for if you want to have like a beauty render like mm. this, take it in and do some extra painting on it. It's totally fine. Like, don't be deceptive. Like, don't don't uh, Photoshop. Like, take uh, Sigourney Weaver's hair and Photoshop <laughs> it on top of it and say you have a full groom on it. Yeah, like yeah. that's deceptive. But if you if you want to make it look nicer, really do that. Another example here is that. Let's say you want to you want to show a, a model uh, and you want to really present this nice with textures. You don't have to model and texture this from all angles. You can you can early on select the angles you want this to be rendered from and then just do that. Let's say you're matching. You want to you want to do like a car and you want to match that to match that to some photos and you're showing that in your reel that hey see it matches really well. You take three angles, you match it really well to those angles, and the rest you don't really worry about. Of course, it shouldn't be way off. You shouldn't have like an extra windshield or something. <laughs> but, you know, you really you really don't have to, to make it a proper production asset. If you're doing a modeling reel, you aren't actually doing models for production. You're making the illusions of making models for production. Obviously, you should have the skill to make it a production model as well. But if you can get to that point then i think that should be fine yeah 100 percent. because if it as long as it as long as it presents it in that way like you are you're doing a series of shots you're not exporting out a model to be used for anything practical mm. apart from that the final result for your reel in this case is your reel or is your portfolio so make those look as good as they can yeah like okay so here's an interesting example um we were working on uh, pacific room uprising we had the mega kaiju the mega kaiju comes in in this scene, like with its foot. It's this is this is like a, I don't know how tall was it, like a hundred meters tall, three hundred feet, I think something like I that. I think it was three hundred meters. It was like a thousand feet. Jesus yeah, it's the size of a building. And then like the foot comes down, in person view, right? And you have a person, and, and the foot itself is like six, seven, eight meters tall, and obviously 
it's we've detailed that and stuff and i think yeah you were doing all the sculpting for that were you doing the texture i was doing i was doing all the texture for mega kaiju and it's like you take it up to the level where it works in most shots just happens to be that that shot where it's super close up obviously you can't make it so that that shot holds up super close up um so what do you do well you send it to matte painting and then you you have a 3d mask on top and they matte paint on top of it for the shot so that it looks like okay this was all done in 3d and it is all like real but it's not it's a cheat and that's that's the reality of working in production it's very painful to do it for matte painting but those guys (laughs) those guys knocked it out of a park obviously you know worked a little differently for games sometimes but even games cheat you know you have stuff in the background uh mountains and clouds oh it's a skybox it's not actual mountains that's been modeled with trees on there it just gives the illusion of detail yeah and this is not again it's super important that we get this across this is not so that you should be deceptive no but this is so that you you only have so much time let's say you have 500 hours to make your entire portfolio if you now spend time on modeling something which you shouldn't have to or in this case here for the eyes you would set up some crazy light linking and you know you do spend 10 extra hours really getting the textures right for the face and you could you could totally you can get a hundred percent this result in 3d other render but why would you do that maybe it takes you 10 hours and it takes you two hours to do it here guess what the highlight for the eye that's just one stroke in photoshop exactly you would probably spend some time just setting it up you would have to set up like a little disc which is radiating so it's just that you simply just don't have time to do all of this in uh, if you're going to do it properly, yeah. big quotation marks here. So yeah, that's that's essentially our list of stuff to help you improve. This is really, I think, in order of importance. Like first one is just really, the most important is make a portfolio which people want to see. Mm. Figure out what you want to do and then build that. And everything else is more like, yeah, present your work well, of course, and have your email, but that's really figure out what you want to do and then you can go from there yeah so if you want to see more videos like this in the future make sure to like comment and subscribe and turn on notifications you'll get notified every time we upload a new episode thanks for watching